movies. Movies, 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 movies. Attention. The movie guys love movies. Any comments about how little audiences cared what critics thought of Batman vs. Superman are purely what happens most of the time. Isn't that right, Ben Affleck? The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together to bitch about movies and share pornography with one another. <laughs> I've never shared any Ben Affleck pornography, though. There is no, there's no Ben Affleck there's, porn? There's no, no. Mercifully little than You're determined porn. to say Affleck, aren't you? Affleck. Is it Affleck? It is. Affleck. Affleck, yes. For, I do say for Affleck. 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> I love what Adam ben said Affleck. about this movie. Say what you said about this movie. Have I already weighed in? What Batman versus Superman? Yeah. Oh, we're going to have, have a weigh-in. It weigh doesn't in. have yeah. to be. It doesn't have to be what? It doesn't have to be good. Oh, no, no, it doesn't. That's a, I, I absolutely allow that to not be one of my criteria. Here's what you need in Batman versus Superman. Batman versus Superman. Done. I, b- Does b- it do that? You're, I'm happy. Your upset critic was the title not clear enough. <laughs> I mean, did you not set your standards in the proper place? Like, wait a second. Where's all the uh, the stuff I like in these movies? It's like I go into spotlight. Like, not enough action in this movie. Turns out Debbie did not do Dallas. <laughs> wait a minute. It says it right there in the title. All right, welcome to the movie showcast, everybody. Part of the vast and sprawling movie guys empire. We should have had shotguns for this deal. Dope. Nah. You've reached ground zero for all things movies and comedy. We bring the two together right here on our show every week with jokes, rants, sketches, characters, banter, bits, special guests, and more. Ooh. So that's what awaits you as we broadcast from our studio, the Admirals Club, here in the heart of Burbank Airport's flyover zone. They don't stop making movies, so we'll be here every week to preview them for you and set you up for the big weekend at the multiplex. Spoiler free. And cost-free, which is dumb, but that's what we do. (laughs) We need to rearrange that. This whole program will cost you uh, nothing. And we encourage you to get interactive with us on social media, at the Movie Guys on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, which is also... You know, Paul, you know how I like to wear pants? Yes. Sometimes I put my wallet in a pair of pants, and then I take those pants off, Uh and then I don't have my wallet. Right. So which means I don't have any money. Correct. So am I in trouble here? You're still a good listener, because... (laughs) This will cost you nothing. Oh, oh, good. So if I don't have my wallet, and if you go on yeah. social media and leave leave a review, or co- still free. Oh, wow. Okay. Also, and somebody's not been tweeting. If it's no pants day on the show, I think that should have come up earlier today. Uh, <laughs> and how would one know for you two? Uh, basically, just search the movie guys on Google, Yahoo, or Bing, Bing, and we come right up. I'm your host for the hardest working comedy show in the airwaves, Paul Preston, here with Bart Caius. Movies are not about the details; they're about the big picture. And Adam Witt. <clears throat> Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice... Not your best, sorry. Karen Karen is not here. She's been whisked away to an audition. We'll have more info on that for you later, but joining us the whole show, in her seat, is a comedian, performer, improviser, teacher, and host of the Improv Nerd Podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, currently on Feral Audio, among other things. There's a great YouTube uh, page devoted to the whole show as well. Jimmy Corain is with us. Thank you, thank you. It's great to be here. Welcome. more going to just come all the way from Chicago to be in this garage. Yes. <laughs> it's and inviting, it's, is it yeah. not? <laughs> and just sort of the people, the puffy jacket, it's it's cold back here today. You've brought the weather with you. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate that. It goes nicely with Karen's uh, headphones, the pink Thank headphones. Thank you very much. So <laughs> Thank you. I, I think That's the whole a good look for you. Yeah. And I, I carried it on, the weather. I carried it on. I didn't. You didn't check it? I didn't Didn't cost you 70 bucks to bring the weather? Did not, no. Who wants Mm. to pay for that crap? Well, if you get the right weather, it'll just fly along with you, right? It just kind of, it'll arrive as well, you know, if it's got, you know, good headspace. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. Meanwhile. 
Mm-hmm. An improv mm-hmm. nerd. While Rain Man, he's got to be a superhero. Rain Man. <laughs> Rain <is> Man. <laughs> Meanwhile, Rain Man is counting the matches. Uh, as ever, we're the place to go right oh, here on I've our show it. every week for movie previews. As we bring you our patented movie previews in every show. So that's a note to first-time listeners. You can listen to our show whether you've seen the movies or not. Mm-hmm. We're into movie previews, not reviews. Uh, so no spoilers. We haven't seen the movies either. This allows us to talk about every movie but only see the ones we want. So you tell us, nation, what you thought of Gem and the Hologram. Plus it takes less time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It takes less time to watch the preview. Oh, yeah. The yeah. whole movie's what, like yeah. two hours nowadays? Yeah, yeah. Who's got well, that Well, but here's the thing that ticks me off about previews. I don't know if you talked about it on the show. Why do they show commer- when you go on the internet, there's commercials before the preview? Right, the, when the preview is a commercial. Exactly. I love that. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. I love when the commercial is <laughs> a preview. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. It's a video, so YouTube's going to slap an ad on it. Doesn't matter what it is. Or are you saying when you go to watch a trailer for a movie and they, there is a commercial before yes. that trailer, but that commercial is actually a preview for another movie? Have that's you ever seen oh, that? that? That's, 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 that's illegal. Happened. If I was running from that, that would be my platform. That's, <laughs> now's the year to push no, for that yeah. trailer commercials before previews. Yeah. Before you get excited about Superman versus Batman, get depressed about Divergence. (laughs) A Legion. Or a wise move is for Marvel to jump in there with a Captain America Civil War. You like like superheroes fighting? They pretty much did the entire time. They they were bested. The real story isn't uh, Iron Man versus Captain America or Superman versus Batman. It's Marvel versus DC, this supposedly friendly competition, but uh, DC kind of got... really? Well, I don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, back in the day, they used to say like our esteemed colleagues oh, over, a, right. you know, on the other coast or something. I don't know. Stanley used to code it in some way, but there's always been a little rivalry there, you know. They don't have a guy, do they? DC doesn't have a guy like a Stanley. They've had a bunch of guys. Yeah, they're more corporate heads. I mean, it's oh, funny. Yeah. It's, it's, they don't it's, have a Kevin Feige either. It, well, yeah, like, they just have Warner Brothers going. Hey, hey, hey. Right? <laughs> Isn't that how you like this? Yeah. Well, that's what's funny about the names that you don't know the way you know Stanley and Kevin Feige. We know those names and those faces yeah. because Marvel was the bit little mom and pop. You know, it was like a just a couple guys just creating. I mean, Stanley created all of their characters. What was Warner Brothers? Doing <laughs> all of again? them. Hmm? What were they doing again? With what? Your impression of uh, with the flying <laughs> and the zoom <laughs> and the, the strong man. Yeah. Whereas DC's been a corporate <laughs> entity since, you know. I don't know when did when did yeah yeah, yeah. Since, time, I mean, did, did Time 30s, Magazine 20s? buy them? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. I listen. That behemoth. Uh, so anyway, the point is, most movie we, we're talking about Batman versus Superman. Most of the weeks, a new movie will come out, but everybody got out of the way of Batman and Superman. But a few films are still coming out, this and we true. should talk about them. And our first movie is what do we have? Okay. The Age of Blood. Ooh, oh, Adam, I guess uh, we should talk about this so here we go yeah in a future society vampire teenagers have been banished by the cruel dystopian adult council of elders for being different forcing them to play in a deadly olympics where there are no medals for second or third place (laughs) but amongst the enslaved vampires will rise a hero big eyes so called for her big winona rider eyes Big Eyes is underestimated by the olds because she dresses like a dump, wears glasses, and puts her hair up. Adam, what am I reading? The latest uh, young adult uh, apocalyptic thriller, I think. Okay, uh, let's see. 
They they have no idea that one day she will take off those glasses, let her hair down, and then put it up again, but not in the same frumpy way to wage revolution. What? I can't wait to see their faces when they realize they underestimated big eyes in the third chapter of the series, part two. Okay, I gotta stop. Is this a real movie? It sounds like one. All right, listen, stop it. I know there's a few. I know there are very few movies coming out this week because of Batman and Superman, like I said, but there are actual movies coming out, okay? That's right, Paul. Like Conqueror of Victory. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Bart, mm-hmm. let's talk about mm-hmm. that yes. one. Here we go. Yeah, this movie, unlike Adam's fake movie, is from director of The Winner's Game and the star of Never Lost comes the story of a man who thought he could not win. When Agent... Maverick Reacher. Yep, that's who it was. Meets up with the biggest enemy of his career, Bart. Super awesome guy, terrorist, killer, secret agent, spy, pilot, has to win and keep winning until he is done winning. Okay, I see what you're doing here. You're making up Tom Cruise movies. Does anyone want to? Talk I would about see a, that movie. Does though. anyone want to talk would... about a real movie that's coming out? I do. I'm... Okay. Okay. Thank you. Somebody. Yes. Just in time for the post-Easter Easter excitement comes another Christian film called. God's Not Dead. <laughs> now, this okay. sounds like a real movie to <laughs> no, me. No, that's, Two. That's, oh, that's ridiculous. That No, no, no. That's hilarious. No, it's a real movie yeah. like uh, Electra versus the Stomach Ailment that came out a couple weeks ago. Remember? Oh, okay. Hilarious. Yeah, now, sure, who, sure, sure it is, Paul. Let me let me guess. It stars <laughs> Kurt Cameron. Actually, ah. Melissa Joan Hart. Oh. Oh, uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Shouldn't that disqualify, disqualify her from being faith-based film? Oh, and how about how about just throw Ernie Hudson in? That sounds like a perfect for Karen. We'll throw in Ernie Hudson. Is he in? Is he in it as well? He actually is in it. Oh, oh, this is from the producer of The Purge, right? Uh, Or the the Pragmatics? God's not dead too. God's back, and this time he's even more unkillable. Right now, that I would go and see. Clearly, God is not dead, as evidenced by every sports victory speech from the past twenty years thanking him. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. a good observation. Anyway, it's a heavy-handed film about a teacher who brings up prayer and Jesus in her classroom. And it is actually opening this week. And as the old saying goes, as long as teachers keep giving pop quizzes, there will always be prayer in schools. <laughs> All right, enough of this. Listen, <laughs> I would have seen any one of those movies. But let's just be clear. Yes. God is Not Dead is not a real movie. God's Not Dead God. is a real movie. Yes, it is. God's Not Dead 2 is opening this weekend. I'm trying Still to say dead. that. But you guys are I putting thought that all was your fake joke. movies in there. I don't know what the hell is going <laughs> no, on. No. Oh, wow. No, that's a real movie. <laughs> I was confused. You fooled me, Paul. It's very uh, dramatic. And it does not have Kurt <laughs> I Cameron. was just trying to help you with the bit, and I, I, yeah. I, I didn't stop. It blended, it, like, it blended into yeah. an actual movie. Yeah. 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 yeah, We're not making up God's believe that. I, and I hope I didn't mislead the audience. I mean, we really... No, you... Okay. Well, you, that yeah. makes one of us at okay. this table. Uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> I, it was God's Not Dead, the original, is the one that starred Kurt Cameron, right? I don't know, and I don't know what happened in that movie. I don't know why you're so obsessed about this. <laughs> because I really didn't think it was a movie. Okay. God's not dead, too. So, not no, dead, also? Art, it doesn't star Growing Pains. It stars Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. well, that's maybe... God's not dead, also. Yeah. And she... Uh, she uh, someone asked a question about Jesus. She answers it, and then there's like a big trial because she talked about Jesus in the classroom. Oh! And it goes oh. To, oh. It, maybe it's adapted thing. from that... Remember the Jack Chick comics that would give you like on Michigan Avenue or, or on Hollywood Boulevard, the little religious comics? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, it sounds like an adaptation of one of those. It really is. Is this the movie where at the end they have to bring... Uh, God into the courtroom and then deliver all the letters to him. That's I hope it. so. And God, then... I hope so. Because they really part of the defense letters is they have to they want to prove Jesus existed. Yes. So the whole courtroom thing. Ernie Hudson's the judge. Wow. Ah. <laughs> so they bring his mail in. All this undeliverable mail to God. Yeah. 
And then he passes out. Wait a minute. That was literally a movie. What? That's Letters what? to God with K- Greg Kinnear. Oh, that I, was. That's where it was coming or from. Dear God. The Dear God? Yeah. Where all these Letters to God? It was, oh there was probably God. a movie called Letters to God as well. But Look, I even just... when we try to make up movies that don't <laughs> exist, they already <laughs> exist. I thought you were referencing the uh, scene in um, 34 um, Mr. Smith. Miracle on 34th Street. I was. Oh, I, thought yeah. you, I was talking about Mr. Smith. No. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I was referencing Miracle 30. That's what I liked is there was a misunderstanding around, but I watched it go down a hill. Like it went down to Greg Kinnear and an actual thing where I guess they wrote letters. You're right. But that is a movie, right? Yes. Greg Kinnear movie, yes. And so is Miracle on 30. So, we, yes. and, so and, in typical fashion, big, as journalists, we fail. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. As no, we no. Do every week. Hey, can we get to the do we get to the bottom of a different story? Where did Greg Kinnear go? <sighs> right? I, so Letters to God he's was He's hiding like, behind Michael Keaton. First of all, I'll tell no, you, he's, one of, the, he's one of the best. Well, that's what I'm saying. He's right behind him. Like, any minute, he's going to come out. <laughs> he's one of the most underrated actors. I've got to be, you, right? I agree with you. Got to be, right? With, uh, was really great. Matador. Was a great movie oh, with, so uh, who's the? Pierce, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, yeah, that was such an underrated oh, movie. He plays like the, the you know, the, the kind of square, uh, uh, Kinnear plays such a good square. It, yeah. Well, he was also in uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Miss, Little Miss Sunshine was oh, just great. As good as it gets. Yeah. He's good in a lot of movies. Yeah. And I am so fascinated. But you'll forget. Yeah, if, if, if not for us right now, what's the deal with the windshield wiper movie? Flash of Genius. He was in a movie about windshield wipers, and I'm so curious how that movie maintains anything that you could take seriously and dramatic over windshield wipers over a course of an hour and a half. I yeah, know. I think it was called Flash was of Genius. Called? Yeah. Oh wow. Well, was I, the guy, I forget the guy... what the name was it, but I, I did see it and I did enjoy it. He, Is he, it very he, dramatic? It's... Well, it's about he he had the patent or he lost the patent or the, yeah. some company ripped him off for intermittent wipers. And I love it yeah I love anything yeah. when someone gets ripped off in a movie <laughs> and, uh, you do that's a thing yeah well, I have trust issues and criminal oh. issues but yeah well you know what the, the, what's the, your favorite ripped off movie the funny footnote to that is that he it was Ford that took his patent yes. he, what, basically what he did is he invented the intermittent wiper presented okay. it to Ford and Ford uh, says yeah. we don't think that's going to work <laughs> and then went off and, and built their own version yeah. of it. And for twenty or thirty years, he, he tried just, to sue them, and, right? Yeah, and he, you know, he just became obsessed about it. He, you know, his kids leave oh, him, his wife leaves him. Kind of spiral into yes. Madness. But here's the funny part: they offered him a twenty, a thirty million dollar settlement, and he refused it, oh. and went to trial and won eighteen million dollars. Oh. <laughs> And, can you, and all, but all the years that he lost for that, 18, you know, like if he would have taken it, I, I don't know if it was five or ten years or whatever. Yeah. He just wasted all that time. Yeah, he was, it was, he was sad. It was a sad. Does the movie cover this whole yes. last act of his life? Oof. Yeah, it was very Ed Wood knew sad, when to cut out. Sad. I like sad, too. Cut out the yeah. invention of the wipers. That's yeah, what Ed yeah, Wood says. Yeah. And then he also he also did the uh, Hogan's Heroes porn movie. Oh, that, yeah, he did. So, I didn't uh, see that. Focus. What, focus. Is focus. that good? No, it's oh, no. soft yeah. focus. What is it? Pull focus. You know, pull, pull my focus, Paul. Yeah. Pull my, that sounds about right. <laughs> he gone to focus. Yeah, what was that movie called? It was. Focus. It was. Auto focus. Auto focus. Thank you. That's it. Hocus yeah, focus. he's good in that. He's Auto. You'll be in... He's good in Mystery Men. He's good in everything. He is. And you'll forget he is unless. I, yeah. I'm glad the way our bit turned into an actual informative thing. Oh no! Yeah. Getting Greg Kinnear's back because he's yeah. got to come. And right. where Greg Kinnear go? He appears in the new HBO film that's coming out next month about Anita Hill that I can't remember oh. the name of it. Uh, confirmation or something like that. But didn't it, when well, this movie you were talking about, God 2 or whatever, Letters mm-hmm. from God or whatever, wasn't it's, it kind uh, of... Oh, God, book two. Wasn't it kind of sad <laughs> to see him in that movie? It was kind of like, oh, you you know, like, you're going to have to reinvent yourself. It just seemed like uh, he was... His run had ended, <laughs> yeah. you know? It was just sad Yeah, he had me. an Oscar nomination. He yeah. seemed to be in, like, indies, and then he puts on a big Gary Marshall... Uh, oh, that's that Gary Marshall? I think so, yeah. Oh. But it tanked, regardless. 
It was sad. You've made it sad again, Jim. I, I love Hold sad. on, I'll brighten it up. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Adam. <laughs> I forgot to say when I was talking about uh, uh, Smoking the Bandit last week or two weeks ago, whenever okay. I saw that. I think it was uh, three weeks, actually, Adam. <laughs> the great thing about watching Smoking the Bandit is at any moment, oh God, book two could also happen. <laughs> In a weird way, right? <laughs> John Denver could literally walk onto that years, set at any moment. Yeah. yeah. That People would make were sense. entertained by John Denver yeah. and and uh, Andy Williams, John Denver. They could yeah. just walk right out there. Yeah. Okay, enough of this. Let's get on to <laughs> yeah, a, a real a, movie. Now, yes, this, now we're, what we're about to bar- embark on is a real movie opening this week. The latest from the director of the Bad News Bears remake, <laughs> Richard Linklater. Oh wait, he also made Boyhood. Oh, okay. Uh, it's everybody wants some. It's got two exclamation marks. Got two oh. ex- you got to do it. You got to do. And it. it's in limited release this week. Bart, let's talk about it. It's Major League goes to the minor leagues as a young high school baseball team goes looking for baseball success and instead finds an animal house worth of hard partying in spring training. Everybody wants some! Is the latest (laughs) white people in bad clothing movie from director Richard Linklater. After sweating away on Boyhood, which was shot over a 12-year span, written and rewritten as production went along, incorporating changes to the characters that reflected changes in the actors, Here's a link letter film that looks like it was cranked out in about a month. Speaking of over a decade passing way too quickly, tune into Everybody Wants Some <laughs> to see young Tyler Hecklin of Road to Perdition as a bearded adult. And the lead character, Jake, is played by Blake Jenner, who is an actor, even though his name screams reality star. This movie is a veritable who's that of young actors. However, the last time Linklater had this big a cast of nobodies, they turned out to be Ben Affleck, Parker Posey, Ooh. Adam Goldberg, and Matthew McConaughey. And speaking of Boyhood, this film is a companion piece to that movie in that it picks up where Boyhood left off, with a young mm. man arriving at college and meeting oh. new friends and girls. Jake and his friends smoke weed, play baseball, smoke weed, philosophize, <laughs> smoke weed, and in the time remaining, have some conflict. <laughs> that is the 80s. <clears throat> Link later was quoted as saying, I don't remember teenage being that dramatic. The stakes were really low. To get Aerosmith tickets or not, that's a big thing. <laughs> it was really rare when the star-crossed lovers from the opposite side of the tracks and the girl gets pregnant and there's a car crash and somebody dies. That really didn't happen much, but riding around and trying to look for something to do with the music cranked up, now that happened a lot. <laughs> God, that was all you did. I can relate to a low-key movie without much at stake, but it's a risk to see if audiences want to see it on the big screen. I mean, I can relate to hanging around Spencer Gifts and the Orange Julius so many times that the mall security would ask me to leave, but I might not need to see that movie. Isn't that right, Paul Blart? Oh, oh, there it is. This movie looks fun. Uh, that makes me happy. Uh, Paul Blart. Uh, just, just this punching, kicking, and crotch shots from the trailer. I'm always, gonna, always I'm gonna in, reference what's what was the movie with all the sound effects from a couple weeks ago? Uh, Fifty Williams? Shades of Black. Fifty Shades yeah. of Black. I'm gonna reference that next week to get that one back in. <laughs> all right, because that one is superior. <laughs> Uh, the movie, now this movie... Uh, I'll sign the petition right now. <laughs> yeah. Everybody wants it. some! Looks fun. <laughs> but I think we can all agree that this movie about the 80s is distinctly missing New Wave, MTV, VHS, mm. too much hairspray, and Jeff Spicoli. Not to mention Mr. T cereal. Yeah, and it's a little stuck on dazed and confused orange gym shorts, cars from the 60s and 70s, and college guys with 80s is enough haircuts. Making it more confusing is 1979's My Sharona on the soundtrack. This ain't high school, man. You're at a new level here. You have not earned teammate status yet. Who the hell are you? 
Oh, uh, Jake Bradford. And until you do, you're nobody. Paul, I don't think the 80s actually started until Thriller came out. I think that's when they marketed. Then again, if he pushed the setting up just a couple more years for this film, it might be called Big Bad Bill is Sweet William now. There you go. That's a Van Halen reference. Is that, oh. see, what album is that from? That's Diver Down. See, that's two years later, so oh. he wouldn't have gone with him and his children first. See, he would have, and that's what a hated. Big I, Bad Bill. It was good reading it over again. Is, I, I got it then. Okay. Because yeah. I'm still <laughs> that one twice. Yeah. It took a while, confused. but I mean, look, I got it. <laughs> I uh, was not a fan of what was the other one he made in the 70s. But it was for an incorrect Jason reason. Confused? Why? Because you said that he doesn't know anything about the 70s. But that's the year he graduated high school. (laughs) I said it felt like it was made by a guy who was told what the 70s were like, but didn't really live through that. Yeah. He graduated high school in 1970? That's the, yeah, that's his graduating year. It just felt odd. Yeah. Karen said, since this is about guys in a baseball team, that all these movies about 80s high school are never about the jocks. The jocks are the the, the jerks, right? Yeah, Yeah. so you're always about the... uh, the, uh, Underlings or whatever. That's true. If you can make yeah. the jocks fun, then that's a unique movie, right? Yeah, so I'd be curious. I mean, doesn't this feel like a Cameron Crowe movie? Like, we don't get Cameron Crowe movies anymore. I don't know what he makes. I don't watch him, but. Oh, I'm going to. Yeah, not, nothing. <laughs> but doesn't know. this feel a little. Cameron, like, it's. He's doing We Bought a Zoo, and he should be doing more of this. <laughs> yeah, Did yeah, other people be. feel confused by it? Because, you know. I was more dazed by it, but go ahead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, Nailed it. It says it's about a baseball team, yes. but in the trailer, you really don't get that. There's I'm one with you. Scene. It's like. And then there's a scene where they're all getting high in a. In like someone's bedroom, and you're like, well, because I, I I graduated in the '80s. I was in high school in the '80s, and like the, st- the the you know the baseball team wasn't getting high. It was the stoners who were getting high in someone's uh, uh, bedroom. I mean, it was it, it was very confusing that it's about a baseball team. I'm with you, Jimmy. I didn't learn that it was about a baseball team until we read this. Because when I read that first, I'm like, oh, this is part of no. I think I, I saw think, a separate trailer that was more baseball-centric than the first one really? I watched. The first I, one was just party, party, party. But right? I don't know if that would be right, because I think the movie will be more guys getting high-centric yeah. than baseball. <laughs> but, no. guys, but, but people who were on the sports team in high school, they stayed away from the people that got high. I That's get, where I'm confused. I get you on that, because I've met actors out here who were in uh, Greek frats. And when I was in school... The actors were not the Greeks. We mm. rebelled against oh, the Greeks. Yeah. They had the artists versus the Greeks. Jocks to meet people who were, yeah, Greeks and artists, I was like, this is all weird. So I get where you're coming from. Right. Sort of in a Jocks didn't do drugs story. at your school? No, they didn't. Oh. Yeah, that's the Bart. thing. And then so it was. Did Jocks you, do drugs at your school? They did at mine, I think. I don't think so either. Pretty no. Sure. So it was the jocks, and then you had the burnouts, and then you had the theater people, yeah. and the music people, and the, you know, the, the, the good students, you know, all those groups. But. You know, they might have gotten drunk or something, but they didn't. They they weren't hanging around getting high. Yeah, there was a stoner guy who did a play I was in, and at intermission he went out and started screwing around with his buddies. Like he went left the building, he went out the <laughs> playground, he came back, he had broken his nose. <laughs> he did the rest of the movie with a broken nose, like it was one of those what not was the bloody. Play? Do you remember? Much ado about nothing. <laughs> And he, but he had a small part. He wasn't like Don John or anything. He was like one of the guards That's or something. Great. So he came back and he did the rest. I'm like, this is, you know. You get who's willing when you're in high school. Yeah. It, and it's so funny, too. Like, you imagine, like, I remember there was a couple times I was in class and somebody was like, so-and-so smoked pot right before school. Like, ooh. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but you're like, just thinking back on, like, whatever weed you could have gotten your hands on in, you know. In the 90s or whatever. It's not like the crazy stuff they have right now. It's like, Well, that was back when a nickel bag was $5 and a dime bag. That's where sure. they got their name. <laughs> right? That's yeah. how I knew how yep. much to pay. 
five dime, right? Nickel bag was five bucks. Yep. A quarter was twenty five dollars. A quarter ounce of pot <laughs> was twenty five dollars. <laughs> Which I am told is, I take your word. But I'm told other, it's a lot, Paul. I don't the know. other thing that's confusing <laughs> to me is, you know, the the logo is is like a mixtape at the end. Yeah. You know, for the thing, and th- you would think that, you know, and you bring up Cameron Crowe, who to me just made the last three films are videos, you know, just put together. <laughs> they, they, they'd have more uh, music from from the '80s, you know, to. Well, that, that's I was going to say something about that because, uh, I mean. All people listened to was '70s music for the first part of the '80s. Didn't really become the '80s until like '82, '83. Yeah, we have that written here from the soundtrack. He 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 is living in the very edge. Like this movie must take place in '80. You know, he's talking about an yeah, '80s movie. I there's think no it does. Warmers, there's no Simon. There's no Cabbage right, Patch or Rubik's Cube. '80, '81, and '82 are the '70s. Thank you, Adam. I was about to say the same thing. You forget how '70s the early '80s were. If Welcome Back, Cotter's still on. <laughs> it's the 80s. I don't care what the calendar says. Yeah, I don't care what the calendar says. <laughs> but okay, so, so Laverne and Shirley is still on. No, but that, taking your point, wouldn't you long. add more music, <laughs> regardless if it was the seventies or the eighties? Wouldn't you add more music to this because music is so was so much a part of? Well, oh, I bet there's a ton. This soundtrack is is steeped in music. But but the trailer didn't reflect yeah, that. It kind of had my no. Sharona and everybody yeah. wants them, and that's it. But you're gonna get Heart of Glass. Uh, if heart, you order heartbreaker, now. Pop, call now and your soundtrack to call now. Everybody wants some. Will include Heart didn't of Glass you, by Blondie, Heartbreaker by Pat Benatar, Pop Music by M. I want you to want me live from Cheap Trick. Good, to, good times roll by the Cars. Rappers delight from the Sugar Hill Gang. All those songs came come from 1978, 1979. Whoa, literally. Yeah. But well, then it, he's got a bunch. But of But that's stuff exactly from what they were listening to in 1980. Yeah, like you listened to an album for more than two years in high school, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm still listening to the I'm same stuff. I'm still listening to the, yeah. But, yeah. but I, I don't want to talk about these kids today. But uh, it's like a song. This is turning song, into a, these but a kids song, today. Well, but well, we have no. It's, we've stayed in the past. All right, all right. Do you want me to go get Grandpa Kai? I'll go get Grandpa Kai. But they. But a song will be around, and it's like a movie. It's gone in a week. You know. Yeah. They're being so the fact that someone would listen to a song in 1980 that was out two years ago. I, I like mean, the idea of an 80s movie, but. Haven't we seen like really good '80s movies? Anything done by John no, Hughes? Well, they were made in the '80s. Oh yeah, yeah. no, yeah. but that's yeah, that's Linklater specifically. Yeah, set out to right. Make... We saw them in the '80s. I know, but like and they I were so were... 80s. Go back and watch any John Hughes. Go back and watch Sixteen Kids. Yeah, they were back... made in the '80s, which is fine. Yeah, so, so they're done. Of the '80s. <laughs> movies. We don't need to go back and do that, do we? Well, the thing you mean... too is you know the, the period piece is the better question. <laughs> if you looked at like the '80s comedies, they were really raunchy and they could get away with more than they could get away with today. Yeah. And I'm wondering is is he going to be able to get away with the stuff that they got back in the '80s? I hear there's casual sex. And we already know there's a ton of pot, so I think he's kind of li- li- leaving it loose. Yeah. You know, and it's an indie. It's going to get a slow rollout. It's not a major movie that a big studio is going to get scared about backing any sort of morality or lack thereof. Slow your roll. Yeah. And is it going to be a slow movie like uh, Boyhood was? It's two hours. Okay. So, but, I, but, you, you but get, Boyhood was really slow. Yeah. Yeah. But do you feel like I, I almost watching the trailer that the pacing was going to be kind of well, like that? It'll be laconic. I think he's not known for doing like a. I think a this is probably about an movie. hour and 40 minutes, and Boyhood was literally, it was four hours or something, right? <laughs> yeah, I it was mean, long. So it is much longer, but it also, this I think covers a shorter span of time. I watched Boyhood <laughs> on a plane. I was flying from Chicago yeah. to Oakland. Terrible format for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, the, and, and I screwed up the last 10 minutes I on the uh, screen by the, uh, what is that? The screen right there in the chair. Oh, I'll blow the ending for you. He grows up. <laughs> oh great! Great, and I couldn't convince my wife to watch the movie because she he gets wasn't sciatica. <laughs> he gets gout. 
Yeah, because it's an investment. You're yeah. like, look, I just have to watch the last half hour. All you have to do is watch three and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, listen, before we get uh, to uh, our guest time here on the show, it should be noted that we spend a lot of time here as the movie guys keeping you, the listener, mm. informed and up to date as to what films are about to be released in theaters. Now, give me the heads up on what to go and see. But also know it's important to us to let you know what movies are in theaters now still. Oh. Yeah. We're going to cover all those movies in a little segment we call In Theaters Now, Still. Wondering just how far Gerard Butler has fallen? Well, London Has Fallen is in theaters now. Still? Will the smooth and kissable teens defeat the cruel dystopian adult council of elders on their way to find more words that rhyme with detergent? You can find out because the Divergent series, Allegiant, is in theaters now. Still? Obsessed with prequels? The prequel to Jesus Dying on the Cross is out there for you to see because The Young Messiah is in theaters now. Still? You want to see a film that's so meta, if you take your loved one to see it, she may actually leave you? You're in luck because How to Be Single is in theaters now. Still? And finally, too lazy to change the batteries in your Xbox controller? Well, if you can muster the strength to walk to your local AMC or Regal Cineplex, Gods of Egypt... <laughs> is in theaters now. Still. That's our bit. In theaters that's, now. That's pure timing. You can analyze that. We've got, we've got Jimmy here now. Right. Yes. You can analyze the timing on that, yeah. right? That's, yeah. all about, that's all about that pause. Truly. Right. And you know what? You can't Get teach him. timing, do you think? Comic timing? I think it's just something... I would agree with that. Up. Yeah. Ask you, me why I never made it in stand-up. <laughs> timing, timing. Why Ta timing. Why Ta timing. Why? Timing. He's okay. going to persevere. See, people yeah. don't expect that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this best part of there being no real major releases to talk about this week is that we get extended time with our guests. <gasps> so let's get to it. Someone whose name in Chicago has been synonymous with improvisation in Chicago since the 90s. Except for those couple years where it was synonymous with murder. Yes. <laughs> a member of the legendary Jazz <laughs> Freddy crime Improv Ensemble, author of the book Improv Therapy, and Ooh, host yeah. of the Improv Nerd Podcast, Jimmy Corain, everybody! Hey. You wrote a book, Jimmy? I wrote a, I've written several books on improv. Improvising oh, Better, wow. Improv Therapy, and uh, The Inner Game of Improv. Hmm. Improv therapy, I really uh, dig it. it it's, you, I watched a video on it where you talk about what it is, and you drew me right in because I want to check it serious? out. Are you serious? Yeah, because, okay. well, I'm taking Meisner classes right now. Okay. And I thought that was a good acting course for me to get in. Like, I studied Stanislavski before I took improv, but since improv, Meisner was great because Meisner's all about how you feel right now and use that in your moment with your actor. Prepare it's like all a your meditation, lines. right? Yeah, it's yeah, you're not like, meditating. It's you're... not like, here's a bunch of stuff I've prepared in my performance. It's, yeah. it's get prepared, but yeah. be in the moment. It's more improv, right? Off your, off your partner. Well, yeah. and I, you know, in my teaching, you know, I teach the art of slow comedy, and I've taken everything I've learned, you know, from Del Close and Martin DeMott and Spolin and stuff like that, and I've taken stuff from Meisner. And do you do the advanced repetition? Yes. The repetition where, could we do a little sample? What is that? What people? is that? Really uh, all you do is you simply look at your partner and whatever you see in them, that's just like starting an improv scene. Like yeah. If, like there's a, yeah. there's a little clip up in uh, in 
one of your improv nerd sessions where Dave Keckner sees you standing a certain way. He has a reaction to it. Your scene has begun. So you always have something you're giving your partner, whether you know it or not. Right. So if we so that is repetition a good point, that... starts the same way. Yeah. I see you, and whatever I see about you, I just I just say something about it. I would say, curious. 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 And we would say that until something oh, changes. It, it and changes. then I would say smiling. Smiling. Hairy. Smiling. 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 Uh, Haircut? Uh, yeah. Hiding. Hiding? Hiding. 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 Watermelon. We go. Right. Watermelon? But you and can't it, do two at the same time. Lampshade. Oh, right. Lampshade. oh I thought we were doing a round. I thought you could do it like in a row, row, row your boat. Yeah, yeah when you do a big court, when you do a row, olive juice. Your olive juice. You're doing it wrong. Okay. It's about feelings. We're here to provide the perspective of those that aren't actors in our audience. We're going to take a little break, and we'll we'll get you up in a second. But olive is not an emotion. Give us notes. Hey, that's a great bit. Give us notes constantly. Okay, great. Hey, guys, guys. (laughs) But uh, so anyway, the improv therapy. Adam, share your voice with us. Okay. Such a good bit. Uh, so improv therapy seemed like mm-hmm. like Meisner has done as well in it. In the actor, is bring out emotions. It's just going to help them in life because they become more open, they become more honest, and it seems like you're doing that with improv. Yes, I'm definitely doing that with improv. Taking whatever you get off your partner and then creating creating something from that. So if you just like we were doing, I'm I'm looking at you right now and I'm saying, you know, you're smiling. So we're brothers, and I just I just, you know my wife just had a baby, and you you just came over. You know, and I'm getting that just off, just off your eyes, just off your, you know, how you're looking. Your dreamy, dreamy eyes. Now you're the creepy brother. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you ruined it. <laughs> but I think today in improv, people are so like, um, it's all about being funny. It's all about being mm-hmm. fast. And and I really, I I come, you know, we you can you guys uh, came from Chicago around the same time I did, and it was more acting, you know. And I, you know, if it's if, if it's improv, if it's theater, if it's a movie, and, and when it comes to comedy, I want to believe what these people. I want to believe that these people are real, and then they can take me on on that journey. And that's what I try to teach in in in, in my method of improv. So the art of slow comedy, then, is is trying to get people back to taking their time to explore and discover and not have to jump to create something right. funny that's inauthentic. Right. And not, not have the feeling that you have to invent something to discover something off your partner. Take a couple seconds at the top of the scene. Now your your eyebrows are, are rise like that. Now I you could be a teacher and I could be a, a nervous student. You know, like I, I didn't do my test today. Those that small subtlety and that connection. And I'm looking for the connection that's made without any words being spoken. Because what I see is people jump to the words and then then th- there's nothing there. There's no emotional connection. Yeah. I still get worried about that sometimes when I oh, go yeah. on stage. It's Absolutely. like, what do I got to do? But then, you know, I, what, it's easier to say sometimes an employee that it's all right there in your partner. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, so you just you just push it on to them, make it their job. I like this acting. Um, you, it's your responsibility. Uh, Jim, notes, you notes. Your, your, your check hasn't cleared yet. So, uh, you know, this is actually, I didn't, Paul didn't tell you, this is the advanced class. Oh. And we were letting you in because. I was going to audit it. Uh, there is, there's no audit. Oh. Yet. Each week, Bart's so sitting I'll t- I'll in the advanced uh, class. <laughs> um, why don't you. Um, By the way. Why don't you, let me think. Why don't you come? Why don't you? Um, I think it's probably a good idea to go now. And why don't you email me, and okay. we'll talk about where where I see you in okay. the future. Okay. Thank you. After Jim. the notes, okay. you guys can do notes. I'm I'm really thinking voiceover for you. Okay. All right. Uh, 
pulling at them. Let's get back to the uh -huh. back on two uh -huh. more on, on up there. Okay. We're gonna do All a right. scene. Now. Two up, two <laughs> up. <laughs> Bart, Bart, is there a reason you're still here? Uh, I lost my keys. Okay, great. Um, good news for our listeners. Why don't we They're take a, this Why free. don't we take a break now? We'll take a quick break, <laughs> get some water or something, and let's all help Bart find his keys. <laughs> yeah. No, Thank do you, it. Jimmy. Do it. Who were your teachers? Uh, I had Del Close. I had Martin oh, Demont. Nice. Uh, Marty. Uh, Martin Demont. Did you have Martin Demont? <clears throat> I did. You had uh, Martin Demont. Yeah, we both did. And Karen. Yeah. Uh, well, that's where that slow improv thing kind of comes from for us because we were all, you know, we, we'd been doing, I'd been doing improv for four months or something like that. And it was like, as in, when you discover it, you know, it's infectious and you're like a, you're like a 19 year old, 20 year old energy, you know, and you just, you know, uh, but luckily we found Marty DeMont and it's like, really just calmed everything that made you really work for and think so much you know as you as you move forward i, I had martin scene. at columbia, really cool. columbia college where I, I graduated from and he was and he still uh there's so many things that i've learned from him he was the best hands-on improv teacher i never felt more like i could take more risks and he made you feel really safe there and uh you know it was, it was a, you know he was an amazing teacher you had him right yeah yeah, yeah. And it, he said, it's your partner's birthday. You're on Every stage with your partner, it's your birthday. And I'll tell you the greatest story he ever told. Uh, I love Marty's stories. Yeah. yeah. He said, Alexander the Great conquered all of Asia that we know and beyond, right, back in the day. And he, they would do, their armies would just go out for months on end, perhaps years, to conquer everything they saw. So they're gone for a long time, away from their wives. So while they're out there, they got each other to sort of fall in love with and have sex with and become their partners. And so the reason they would win is because they're technically protecting their lover next to them. And an army of lovers cannot fail. Martin DeVos. Wow. <laughs> so when you're on stage, those are your lovers, and you will not fail if you're an army of, of such. Well, that, you know, you mentioned the therapy part of it. I, the reason I miss it is because there's something so exhilarating about literally not knowing what's going to happen in the next second. However, we do that all day long. And every moment of our lives is not planned. But there's just such that the practice of that that you get out of improv. I, I really miss that. Like, right now, I don't know what's happening. Now, right now, I don't know what's happening, you know? Right, and in the, the book, Improv Therapy, was, was basically blogs that I put together because I wanted to, uh, you know, like in my blogs, like when you have a bad show, like I don't know, like for me, when I'd have a bad show, I would, I'd go home, on the ride home, I'd relive the whole show in my head going, I wish I did this, I wish mm -hmm. I did that, and it'd always end up, I want to kill myself, you know? <laughs> like, I, I mean, I really... I, I that's improv. That's improv. <laughs> and uh, so I, I wanted to talk about those things that yeah. people were afraid to talk about when I was coming up, you know? like And, you know, judgment. Like, I'll I'll do improv shows, and, you know, they're talking about have no judgment, no judgment. I will judge people, you know, I'll judge people's choices, I'll judge my own choices, and I just wanted to be honest about the process because I find that really helpful for me. And I was doing it selfishly because if I can admit that I'm judging, you know, I'm judging this show or I'm judging, you know, uh, whatever I'm judging, if I can let go of that, I have a better chance of not judging it. But if I'm trying to suppress it, I am screwed, you know? So how do you use that then to the best? Just it gets out and it's gone? Yeah, uh, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes uh, before a show, I'll call somebody and say, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm really in my head or I, I feel like I'm, I'm not funny. But I will reach out to other people before I do it. 
So I learned something that was really valuable. I, would, I did a show at Second City. It was uh, it was an improv show, and I was at the time I was older, and it was a younger generation. And I came into the show, and I, I didn't. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced not feeling funny, tired, not scared, like really tentative. And I said, I just said it to the cast backstage in the green room. It was at the ETC. I'll never forget this. I said. I said, you know, I, I just, I, I don't feel like I have it today. I'm scared. I feel tentative. I, I, I don't know what to do. And somebody said, make sure you're the first person out on that stage tonight. Mm-hmm. Make sure you do that first scene. Yeah. And I took that advice to heart, and I, I did the first scene, and that opened me up. I was terrified to do that first scene, but it, it worked. I used to get out first to get over nervous, nervousness. If I started feeling that, I was like, well, just get it out of the way. Jump in the pool. Yeah, you know, I just do that more. I should do that more. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then everything was fine after that. In fact, you don't you don't even get up for like a little while, but you're like, no, you could. <laughs> in the world in the world of bizarre metaphors, here's another one. My Meisner teacher, Kevin Will, he ha- told me a story about cat anal sacks. You know what <laughs> anal sacks are? Uh, his cat was taking that was a giant- trick question. Good good for us not to answer. His Bart, cat- Bart you're still here. <laughs> Meant to be a pause. <laughs> His cat was taking giant poops on the rug. Just huge, steaming, filthy poops. And his cat never did that before. He's like, what's cat going on? Anal sex? Isn't he a stand-up comedian? Let me go on. And so he wanted to find out what the deal was. So after this happening for like a week, it's just totally foreign to him. This cat never did this. He takes him into the vet and he says, have you squeezed the cat's anal sacks? I guess cats and dogs both have these in their... Butts, yeah, our dog had it. You squeeze them, and it expresses this gas or whatever, and then everything stops. So, if you express it, <laughs> it goes away. Paul, okay. So far, let's recap. You want me to be your <laughs> lover you on your, stage, and you want me you to express my your, anal sex. your anal sex. Exactly. Okay, okay. This so wait, if you put thing, a finger in it, it will get better. Is that what you were saying? Well, let's, I missed let's, the last let's part. Let the teacher, Bart, why don't you watch what they're doing <laughs> instead of commenting, commenting on what's going on in the class? Jimmy, or yes, sir. yeah. The movie guys. I'm sure you got a laugh there. No, I, mean, I, I, I but is that the kind of laugh you want? No. Is that sustaining a scene? Are you building a no. scene? There, Thank you Bart? for letting me stay, though. Thank you. Great. We, has anyone found Bart's keys yet? Please, uh, yeah, somebody. <laughs> There's a uh, a very because Marty Demott was like a preacher of this. Sort he of stuff lived. Too. Yeah, yeah like, he believed it could change people's lives. Not just absolutely right. right. And so he was such a philosopher about it. Do you remember the story that McNapier told at the, there was like a wake at Second City when Marty, Marty passed. Uh, my favorite story about Marty uh, and about like yeah, how he viewed improv. Uh, Mick and Marty were down in New Orleans. They were partying. I guess they used to party together. And uh, they're, they're, they're walking and uh, they're walk, they walk past a couple of police officers. I know the story. You yes. do know, oh, yeah. Oh. <clears throat> and uh, Marty turns to one of the police officers and I can't remember, they were, they were in a conversation, and so he asked them about something that they were looking for or whatever. But Mick was just walking, and, and Mick was the founder of the Annoyance Theater, for anybody in our audience who doesn't know. Um, and uh, he gets a block away and realizes, like, oh, I, I left Marty back there. And he looks back, and Marty's still talking to the cops. And he says, in the most Marty thing, he's like only like a half a block or something. But in that time, they walked away and walked back. He walks in on this conversation from one cop to the other. So what do you think? Should I try this improv thing or what? <laughs> to the other cop. <laughs> like That's how quickly he would but try he, and convert. He believed that it could change people's lives. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just, you know, uh, Viola Spol and theater games. It yeah. was, And it wasn't just to get hired by, you know, when we were there, the big goal was to be hired at, at Second City and do main stage. It was... Yeah. It was something bigger than that. But improv therapy kind of teaches the same thing, yeah? Um, I don't know. Yes. 
the your emotional life, you know, but uh, you know, and also talking about in, in the in, in the other thing that I like to talk about, and I'm getting better at it is jealousy. You know, you can't be in comedy or you can't be in the art and not be jealous. You know, and and I found that you know people are afraid to admit, you know, that they're jealous uh, of other people. And again, I you know I admit you know I'm a jealous of Tina Fey or I'm jealous of Amy Poehler or anyone I started out in Chicago. And the more I said that especially when I was starting the podcast, the less I started to feel jealous about people. But I, I want to talk about the things people are afraid about because those are the things that are going to get in the way of you doing the work. I mean, I was jealous. I did a great show with, with Stephanie Weir from Mad TV, probably one of the best improvisers I ever worked with. Mm -hmm. I mean, she could write, she could act. She was just a brilliant improviser. And I did this show. It was one long scene, one hour. This is before people were doing duo, duo comedy. And I was so jealous of her. My choices on stage were angry all the time, you know. And I wasn't in. I wasn't in. I wasn't aware of those emotions. And one, you know, later years later, I realized, oh, it was because I was jealous. I mean, this woman was phenomenal. She is incredible, you know. And to be on the same stage with her, I look back and go, I really blew that opportunity. I wish <clears throat> I would have been in. I wish I would have had, you know, more control of that. You got to get over jealousy very quickly in Second City because that uh, that town is just a bundle of talent. You just have to right. like, like I, I think it. I think it helped me to be like, you know, I, I was just in such such awe of so many people that were there. It was like, well, I don't know. What to I've say. always I've always heard as jealousy is a call to action. Like as in soon as you way? get jealous, as soon as you're jealous, yeah, it's like, your turn to create, yeah, yeah, and do something and make that thing you want to do and and use it as a as a hurdle you got to jump. I agree with that, but there's a process to get there, you know. So it's like, oh my God, why can't I have that? And to me, I always go to the comparison. It's like, you know, what am I doing wrong? You know, uh, someone gets a TV show. It's like, what am I doing wrong? You know. And uh, so once I get over that, you know, it could be a couple. Now it takes a couple days, but it used to take weeks, mm. months, you yeah. know, and, and sometimes it would never go. You know, so I, I just when I wrote that book, I'm like, I want people to, to know that there's this other side that they can get help help with, you know. Improv is kind of like an active meditation in a way. Yeah, you really are focusing on, like they say, for if you're going to meditate, you're really just trying to focus on exactly right now and exactly you know where where your place is. Or and I feel like improv is that because you're constantly now. Yes, because <laughs> it's, it's about to me the spiritual elements of it, and everyone compares it to a religion. Is that the bottom line is we want to be in the moment, right? We mm -hmm. want to be present, just like we want to be in life. And and so we're or making our partner look good is basically the golden rule. Right. You know, do unto others. So there's a lot of spiritual principles. But I really think it breaks down to being in the moment, being present right now, mm -hmm. you know, which is the way around all kinds of as I've kind of, you know, done my own self therapy. Like I used to be kind of a jealous person and, and stuff How'd like you that. get over it. Uh, I don't know. I just I just feel like. I feel like you have to shift your focus to the positive. Like, what what did this person that moved on from? Like, I've got a bunch of friends from Second City that all gotten famous and you know and, and done TV shows and stuff. But uh, but you focus on the positive aspects of it. You're like, well, the reason that like like Jack McBrayer or something like that. Like Jack McBrayer is huge. Like everybody knows Jack McBrayer. But I love that he got there, like playing himself. Like that is Jack. Like that's not you know that's, like I think that's really cool that some people or like Seth Meyers. Like, there's a guy that that's totally him. He's not playing some weird, 
strange character or something like that. It's like that's those guys. I don't know. And so but I, the the reason I started, so I just go. I, I try and double down on me, and I'm just like, hey, just be more myself, you know. And that's that's. What but I always, I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with people that be, that become successful, and so that was kind of the onus of the podcast uh, of Improv Nerd was how do the, you know for me the selfish part of. How, what is their secret? Because all the people that I have on, on the show, and I've done over like 188 episodes, have people from like Bob Odenkirk, uh, um, uh, John Favreau, Adam McKay, Dave Koechner. Uh, Jeff Garland. Jeff Garland. Great interview with oh Jeff Garland. Oh, my God. He's, so he's, he's, he's so funny. He is just so honest. And yeah. I don't know if every one of them that you improvise with, but I know you improvise with Jeff Garland. Yes. And, uh, yeah. It's, it's well, really... I gotta, let me play a clip here from just three little clips that include uh, – a brief, very brief talks with um, about 30 seconds here with Keckner, George Went, and Jeff Garland. You know, there's a saying in improv, play to the top of your intelligence. So you're going to ask, why don't I? <laughs> what would you say your comedic voice is? Nice, but surprisingly bitchy. George Went. <laughs> Conan was, was kicked off the Tonight Show. You said, I'm not going to do the Tonight Show. Yes. I think the only two people who said that were myself and Tom Hanks. <laughs> One of us had a lot more to lose. <laughs> so the duck is free flowing like that. It's easy uh, on on the show. And uh, who's the who? I want well, later. We're going to ask you your best, your, your favorite movie of all time. We ask everyone here. Okay. But right now, who is the best improviser you've ever seen? And is that even quantifiable? Um, the, the I, I could just say the the best people that I've worked with, uh, uh, I would say the best improvisers uh, are probably, if you want to just as would say TJ and Dave in terms yeah. of their show. TJ Jagodowski. TJ Jagodowski and Dave Pasquese. But it's very subjective because that's the kind of improv that I really like. You know, they have a slow burn improv. Very right? slow. Yeah. You know, they take their time. They're working very organically. They're not worrying about laughs. It's, you know, there's, there's you know, it, there's humanity in it. It's just a really beautiful show. In terms of people that I've worked with over the years, I mean, Keckner is certainly one of them. Uh, Stephanie Wears, I've mentioned, is, is one of them. Um, you know, and there's certain people that you just have chemistry with, you know, that, you know, you know Adam and I may work together really well. And... Um, Bart and I may not, you know. Uh, so there's there's a chemistry. I see a lot of yes and going you know? on here. Uh, Kevin Dorf was another gr yeah. uh, great guy, and he, the way he approached it was he was like a chess player. You know, you knew every time you played with Kevin, he was going to find a game. If you know, I was never that good at finding game. I've gotten better at it, but he could find a game like that. You, you know, he no was game. like he was like a, a, a chess player. So. You know, and everybody brings something a little differently. But that's that's a that's a uh, a, a, a term that some audience members might well, not no. know, and that's a really great one. Is uh, the game of a scene because you, if you study even screenwriting and stuff, you it's it's very interesting where there are a particular game in in scenes. You know, it was interesting, uh, and we probably need to explain it. But yeah, I uh, the episode hasn't aired, but I interviewed John Favreau, who just uh, has a Jungle Book movie coming yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, and That's for awesome. people, you know, he did Chef and Maid and Swingers and. Well, and to give you a reintroduction yeah. too for in, uh, anybody, you were like in the second or third year of Improv Olympic or, or IO as they're known. Um, yeah, I was I was lucky because I was in this. I was in this. You this, discovered it. Right. I was in a, a very lucky. I was very lucky because in the 
late 80s, early 90s was like this great time of improv. I mean, when I st- improv Olympic, you know, Chris Farley was there. Mike Myers used to sit in on our Herald team before he went to Saturday Night Live. And then I was also at the Annoyance Theater. And the Annoyance Theater, like Jane Lynch mm-hmm. was doing the Real Live Brady Bunch. Andy Richter Andy and I Richter, did a yeah. show there. Melanie Hutzel gets hired by Saturday Night Live. And uh, Beth Cahill does Saturday Night. You know, they get hired by Saturday Night Live. Then you've got on the main stage, you've got Colbert, Stephen Colbert, mm-hmm. and Carell, Amy Sedaris. I mean, you know, Garland's floating around. He's getting fired, you know, two or three times in Second City. I mean, it's, and you know, then I'm part of Jazz Freddy, which is this long form show that has like Dave Keckner, Brian McCann, Brian Stack, you know, all of these, these Kevin Dorff, Noel Gregoropoulos, all the, Miriam Tolan. And, and I mean, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just a really great time in Chicago, you know? I showed up in the mid 90s, and a lot of those people were still. Kicking yeah, around yeah, and yeah, ushering yeah. in. Then when I got there, Scott Adsit, Tina Fey, yep. Jenna Jolovitz, Rachel Dratch, uh, Adam McKay. Did I say Adam? Yep. And best best I've ever seen. Right, and, and yeah. that's covering that time yes. too. You know, mm-hmm. Pinata's Full of Bees, which was greatest this title groundbreaking ever. show that you know Adam McKay and Tom Giannis and what a great cast that was. I mean, it was just like such. It was just such an exciting time, and then. Soon, people got hired from Saturday Night Live. Uh, Adam got hired, and Giannis got hired. Keckner, Nancy Walls, they all go. Glazer, I think, got hired as a writer for Conan. Mm-hmm. A lot mm-hmm. of Dorf gets hired as a writer from Conan, and, and and sure enough, you know. And Brian Stack, who Brian Stack, up as who was one of, of the now. There's a guy who's an amazing improviser. And, oh yeah, and when absolutely. I, when I started out with him, I had the hardest time improvising with him, and then I don't know. He he did Improv Nerd a couple years ago, and I'm like. This guy is amazing. Amazing, yeah. You know, just amazing. I've never seen anybody, a line out of his mouth, he gets every freaking laugh. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't <laughs> compete with it. He's like the Michael Jordan of improv, you know? And we used to call him, I think they they, they used to say, like, he, he would say a line and the lights would go out. If we were doing a Herald, if we mm-hmm. were doing a long form, and they would just, they, they, they knew. It was almost like giving Michael Jordan the ball to shoot a three-point <laughs> play because they knew that that ball was going to go in the basket every time. Yeah, he is one of the great, and he was there too in that mid '90s uh, before he went it, out. Um, it was such an exciting time, and then yeah. we saw a lot of strong women. We saw Amy Poehler and Tina Fey and Rachel Dratch and Stephanie Weir, and there was a team at the Improv Olympic, Jane, which was an all mm-hmm. improv, you know, all women improv team. And when I started in the '80s, if you had one woman on your team, yeah. that was a luxury. You were like, you know, and then we saw, you know, then that changed. Thank God, you know. If in improv nerd, wh- yeah. who is your favorite? Uh, oh my god! Interview. I've got so many. I know you got like 180 to choose uh, from. But is there a favorite? I, I'm, I, you know, can I just go a couple couple of sure. my favorites? Here? One is Dan Bacadol, which you've had on this oh, show, yeah. and I've oh, known Dan god. for a, a long time. I think about 11 years, and it's fun to have people that you talk to on a regular basis, and then they come and do the show, and they're really honest, you know. And he was really honest, and he talked about. Um, his the Daily Show because he gotten fired. Stand back at all of Agent Forty Seven just for audience members who don't know. <laughs> yeah, that well, that's why we had him on the show. <laughs> and yeah. Life in Pieces, but anyway. right. Um, <laughs> he's a regular in Life in Pieces. Yeah. And he was on. Yeah. Uh, what yeah, was Trumbo. that show that was great with the Jim Jeffries show? Oh, Jim Jeffries show was amazing. It was great. He was brilliant. On There's the a show. particular episode of that that is just a head and a. Um, but he was honest, and then. Uh, uh, you know about the, you know the you know being fired and his relationship with John Stewart and his part in it and I, see I love the shows where people are really honest you know it's not about being funny it's about being honest 
the other one, which was a straight-on interview, with, was Bob Odenkirk. And I had known hmm. I, uh, Bob Odenkirk uh, was a, around that time when I, at Second City when I was talking about this great time. He had done a one-person show uh, there. And then he had also been put on, on the main stage cast where he had done the, the, the real famous uh, motivational speaker with Chris Farley oh, yeah. down by the river, uh, 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 Matt, Matt Foley's Foley, yeah. sketch. And he says in the, the interview... Uh, you know, that was the best time, you know, he mm. wrote that sketch and just to hear the audience laugh, you mm. know, you know, it was just the high point in his career. And at the end of the interview, and then we talked about his dad being a big drinker and his relationship and stuff like that. And he, he said, you know, that at the end of the interview, of course, it wasn't recorded, but that was the most personal interview he ever had. He oh, had a book great. there and he signed, he signed, you know, thanks for ripping my heart out or something like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the other one that was really cool was Adam McKay. You know, I'd Adam McKay, of course, was, you know, when we were in Chicago. And it was like he had just been nominated for the Golden Globe, you know, for uh, The Big Short, which was a great movie. Amazing. And, you know, we're getting down towards the end of the interview because you only have a half hour. It's a press junket. So you're in. They'll give you a half hour and and that's it. And, you know, my interviews usually go longer. And just to interject, The Big Short is the movie his career was leading up to. Knowing how smart he is and how how in, in touch he is with social awareness or, you know, yeah. or social yeah, yeah. And, and the big picture scheme of po- politics and society uh it seemed like he was goofing up he was making great comedies that are difficult to make but this seemed like the one that would get him from the heart. which was interesting because then he talks about at the end and i said you know the golden globes you know that's foreshadowing that you're going to win the you know you'll be nominated for an oscar and he talks about his therapist and anyone who talks about therapy on the show i just i love it because i'm a big i love therapy it's helped me so much you know as, as a person but also in, in 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 my comedy and in my interviewing and he talks about you know he just like you said he had been doing all these all these all these uh comedies that were not going to ever get nominated they did really well at the box office they were but they weren't going to get nominated for an Oscar. And the conversation he has with his therapist about, you know, getting, uh, you know, now, you know, the possibility of, of being nominated for an Oscar. And that those are the kind of moments. And then he goes on to get nominated and to win is just amazing, mm-hmm. you know. And it's such a cool moment that, you know, you know, for me, because it's like, oh, my God, you kind of watched it all go by. And he was a, he's a very nice guy and he's a guy that has a lot of success and it hasn't changed a bit, you know. And a guy that I have to say, I'm not jealous of, you know. He's he's. Uh, I think he's too smart and too big of a genius for me to actually be jealous of. I'm like, I, I wouldn't know how to do that. Like, <laughs> I had this conversation with a roommate of mine once about creativity. He goes, at some point, you just leave the Beatles over there. They, I don't know why, what, where they came from, what planet. Don't compare yourself to them. But you start after but that. There's a, there's something in in uh, someone was telling me in psychology is we're more jealous of people like that we're close to, like you know people that we started out with. Maybe we're in class at Second City, or you mm-hmm. were with Schadenfreude, or something like that. You know, I was terribly, I was terribly jealous of Dave Keckner. I mean, we were really close. We were roommates. He gets Saturday Night Live, and when he leaves, you know, I get rid of the TV because I, I, you know, I can't face watching, watching, you know, him on Saturday Night Live. Thank God I've resolved that, you know, with a lot of therapy and a lot of help. But you know, that's that that you know, you know, that's the kind of jealousy that's. That's really sick. You really shouldn't be jealous of Adam McKay because you have much nicer abs. Although David Keckner has nicer abs than you do. So you did it right. You okay. got it in the right order. Class is over. I know we've gone about 15 <laughs> minutes over our time. I'm not good with the time boundary. Um, Bart, uh, if you could stay after, that would be really great. Oh, okay. okay. 
First you tell great me to job. leave, now you want great me to work stay. Great work tonight, you guys. Thanks, guys. You Thanks, guys. Really great, 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 great work. Great work, you guys. <laughs> yeah, great work, yeah, you yeah. guys. Now Bart can't come back to the show because he'll be jealous of Adam and I. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll have to face it every right. week. And uh, well, he can't look at that. Now, you happy, Jimmy? <laughs> I'm ecstatic. <laughs> I'm so glad you chimed back in. I didn't yeah. want that bit to end. Yeah. I don't think it is. <laughs> Hopefully you'll bring it back next week, even though I won't be here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm hoping you go home with me, so I wake up in the morning and you can just chastise me first thing in the morning. You're just sitting right. there in the chair when you walk out yeah. first thing in the morning. Okay, uh, Bart. Okay, uh, you're not going to uh, be wearing that today. I don't think you rinsed enough. Yeah. You know what's really sad about this is I'm talking about all these things about you know, and then I'm terrorizing you. <laughs> it's, it's I, I feel so much hilarious. Guilt and shame. <laughs> Wait, I, it's one more thing I know. Yeah. you're reading yeah. the truth of the room. Yeah, Better Call Saul is the best show on television right now. Uh-huh. Uh, but did, did you see the I am Chris Farley doc? I did. He was the one guy I thought who seemed angry. Well, he said mm. at I'm all angry. of this. Yeah. yeah, I mean, everyone shared great stories about Chris Farley, but you know, in the end, it's a tragic story, and he mm-hmm. seemed like the one guy who was bothered by it all uh, more mm-hmm. than anybody else. And I and I, I started to see who I think you know are the real emotional person Odenkirk is but what I got from the interview that I did on improv nerd from him is I, I got the sense that um, his dad was a drinker so there might have been some addiction in his house and the thing that I had a problem with the Chris Farley uh, documentary is they kind of glossed over the his addiction part yeah. you know everybody was sad that they had lost Chris and, and, mm. and, and but Okay, there, there's a big there's there's an elephant in the room that we're not talking about, mm. and I think the 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 book that uh, John Farley did, and I, I can't think Tanner Colby, I think the, it was called the Chris Farley Show. Did you guys read that? Where they took it's a wonderful mm. book where they took it was done like the Saturday Night Live book, which was interviews from people, and yeah. they they patched it together to make the entire story. That to me was more of you know here's his, here's the genius of Chris Farley, and here's the here's the addict of Chris Farley, because the guy suffered from a lot of addiction, you know. And comedy, as you guys know, is 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 strife with addiction. Is there a is there a a book yet that covers that era of improv in Chicago that we're talking about? I know there's a Second City book that covers a lot, I don't but think I there wish is. it was like a book that just co- because if you don't know who we're talking about on the show today, if you're sitting listening in, going, I don't know Martin Demott, and I don't know uh, some of these people as well, look them up. It's worth doing, and I just wish there was a big resource for that. But do your digging. Find find them where you can online. And something that you did brilliantly, because I'm out here in L.A., you know, uh, being humbled, trying to pitch Improv Nerd as a TV show. And Adam put together this great uh, trailer. And at the beginning of the trailer, you say, the future of comedy is improv. And then he, he lists all these people. So if people are watching right now or listening and they're going, well, improv, improv, improv. I mean, we have Tina Fey. We have Amy Poehler. We have uh, Stephen Co- Colbert, Stephen Carell, Melissa McCarthy, uh, Key and Peele, Broad City. All of these people are from improv. You know, so when we were starting out in improv, it was all stand-ups. Now it's Improv people who have an, I mean, even John Hamm has an improv. John Favreau has an improv background. I mean, Adam McKay has an improv background. I mean, it's just like, and, and I'm not even, I, I'm leaving out all the, you know, right. Will Ferrell. The Will Ferrells, but, yeah. but also writers, you know, and, and dire- other mm-hmm. directors, Paul Feig, uh, uh, Judd Apatow. I mean, it's all, they're, they're, they all embrace improv. Yeah, people behind the scenes, Rachel Hamilton, uh, yes. Tammy Sager, yes. mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Brian McCann, who you mentioned. Yeah, yeah they're Rich all writers. Yeah. Rich wrote on Key and Peele. Yeah, there yeah. should be, there, there's a book idea 
They've just given away. Author, take it. From there here. is a guy that 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 called me about and uh, in, in interviewed me about a couple weeks ago, and he's doing like he's going to cover this part of it because he wants to cover you know the whole like improv, like the whole Im- improv thing. Like I mean, that's a big undertaking. Yeah, we had Judy Chaikin on the show a little while ago, who directed a film called The Girls in the Band, and she was in the committee. Oh yeah. So I mean, is he going way back there? Is he going to go way back there, all the way to like the current like? That's Martin Mull's troop, right? Uh, No, no. Howard Hessman was in there. Uh, Peter Bonner, Dell actually, Dell Close actually directed them. Yeah. 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 So that's that is and that if you're starting back there and going to current day, that's going to be a big. But you know, (laughs) it was interesting because when I started doing Improv Nerd as the podcast, I I, it was just like okay, I had been in public radio for ten years, and I'm like, I want to raise. And public radio doesn't give raises. They give you a mug or they'll give you a, a, <laughs> tote, a bag. tote bag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I said, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to combine podcasting and improv together because that's where the money is. And uh, <laughs> and I thought I was just going to do Chicago, right? It, you know, there's so many artists, uh, improv artists there. And the more I did it, the podcasts, you know, people from England and people from Hawaii and all over the world. So then I was like, this, th- like, because I'm so provincial, you know, I'm a Chicago guy and that's this, I just know improv, small, small, tiny me, whatever. And then all these, then, then I, then they fly me to different cities, Boise, Idaho, and here's somebody who's been doing it for 30 years or Hawaii. Here's somebody who's been doing it, you know, doing Kabuki style improv. And, and it was just, I mean, it was just amazing, you know. That that kind of response. I mean, and 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 it doesn't matter if you if you have a city today or a town and it has a zip code. There is an improv theater or an improv <laughs> festival. Yeah, I'm, that that's always interesting because I always think like any place where I see someone set up an improv theater or something like that, it, like takes off immediately. I was I was think like I'm gonna target a town where there isn't one, and I'm gonna drop in like a missile. I'm like Cincinnati doesn't have one, huh? <laughs> rule that place. But the thing our is, Chicago also, knowledge. People are doing it. <laughs> Like, you know, certainly they're doing it in corporate America. Doctors are doing yeah, yeah. it. And but, you know, in my classes or workshops or whatever, you will see, you know, older people doing it, you know. And then, you know, I, I there's people that are like in second and third grade that are now doing improv. I mean, it's just like it's exploded. Yeah. I was going to say that earlier when we were talking about the time where we landed in Chicago and there had already been like a couple good generations of improvisers that had were kind of moving up and, and stuff like that. And then we hit with you know Tina Fey on main stage and it's got ads and all that sort of stuff. But it's funny at the time, I, I seem to remember thinking like, oh, well, now everybody knows about this. But it was still so small. Yeah, then it got on TV with uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway, and suddenly everybody wanted in. Well, because now you had a language for it. Like before, I would say, when I started out, I'd say, I do do improv. They go, well, you do stand-up? No, 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 it's improv. You had to explain (laughs) it. And then you even would go, like, it's like Saturday Night Live, which Saturday Night Live is not improv. Right. Um, so, <laughs> so you had whose line is it anyways, and then you could say it's like whose line is it anyways, and then the mainstream got it. I still to today say hey, I worked on a cruise ship. People, go, what'd you do? I say I did whose line is it anyway? Type improv. And yeah, you got to. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Exactly. Yeah. But that for anybody in the audience who doesn't know, and we might have mentioned it, there's long form improv, which is what TJ and Dave do. Right. And that blew me away because we had been gamesmen, improvisers at uh, at Miami University's first, best, and only <laughs> improv so, troupe, the Tower Players. Right. Love those yes. guys. <laughs> Someday you'll be in the Tower Players. <laughs> if only I can get into college. <laughs> baby steps. Baby but steps. Uh, then we went to, and I, I, I feel like I did the first time I saw IO that uh, I, 
I don't know who I saw. But anyway, but they just they get one suggestion and go for an hour presenting you know a, one, two, three, four different scenes that sort of cycle through. And we couldn't believe what we were seeing because it was just like so effortlessly flowed. And like it's like there's no rule structure for it in my brain. So I couldn't figure out what had just happened. So I was like, wait, they really got that all from <laughs> one word? Or wait, okay, okay. So some things they had planned out. <laughs> the best compliment you could get after an improv show is people come up to you. And go, yeah, really? That wasn't scripted? No, no, no. That that no. You made that up? No, I made that up. You really wasn't a script? Yeah. No, you know, that's the those were the best compliments. Well, if you're a movie fan listening to this show and don't know a whole lot yeah, about the improv we've world, gone off. Go to Improv Nerd because plenty yeah. of movie stars, people well, you know, true. and like like you said, writers, directors, actors. Have plenty to say about their world in uh, improv. So improvnerd at jimmycorain.com or just go to YouTube's, uh, YouTube, YouTube, search, YouTube. Uh, search improv nerd. It'll come right up. Right. It's improv nerd podcast, all one word. And you can go to Feral Audio too as and well. Feral Audio. And if anybody's well. interested in actually doing improv, like the uh, the one, t- David Kechner's is great, has great instruction in it too. It's like really. That it's, episode, it's yeah. Cool. Yeah. Like he gives a whole lesson and I was like, ooh, I'm, I'm relearning. <laughs> I'm writing notes. Relearning so much. <laughs> Uh, but let me ask you what we ask everyone who comes yes. on the show. What's your favorite movie of all time? I think, you know, this was such a hard one. I'm, so I'm going to throw out a couple and then maybe we can come. Um, for different reasons. I love sports movies. So, uh, and, and the two I things- read that. They, they make you emotional. Yes. <laughs> and they make me cry. And, and just so you know, I am not a crier and I'm a not a laugher. So if, if I go to a, a sports, if I go to any movie, but a sports movie in particular makes me cry. And uh, because I like the story of the underdog, mm. um, especially if it has to deal with race and, you know, like upper class. So, the, you know, uh, rich people, you know, and, and some sort of race. That's like my perfect mm-hmm. uh, movie. But Rudy sticks out as one oh, of my yes. favorite sports movies because um, just him going in there, that's that there was such an emotional scene for me at the end of that movie. So Rudy, I would put up there. Um, Not ter- the first time that's been mentioned. Are, are you yes. serious? Someone else brought it up as a great favorite. score, right? Yeah. Wonderful Amazing score. Amazing score. Wonderful. And Goldsmith? you know what? Oh, like a yes. comedy, like a comedy, there, it's it's really hard to. You think, oh, oh, it's easy to make a sports movie. There's a lot of bad sports movies that just fall flat. You know. So actually, Disney, Walt Disney makes, I think. Probably the best sports movie. They keep making them. Yeah. Like every like, year they I do. Saw I saw McFarland them. USA. Did you I see love that? that movie. I thought that was a really bad movie, but at the end I'm going, oh my God, go, uh, go. Yeah, like Kevin Rudy, Costner, I'm like, right? I'm in. Well, it's... Costner's not bad. the bad thing about it. Oh, He's right. great throughout. He's, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, but but what I loved about that movie is, again, we've got um, you know white upper class, you know the whole class system there. We've got a Hispanic, uh, this Hispanic school in a bad neighborhood. So, I mean, I, that that's that's what I... That is what I love, you know, because yeah. I, I, I can I can identify with the underdog, you know. And they're running a race, and they are a race. So you really like that one, okay? Because there was um, a race in it, and okay. a race in okay, it. Okay, great. You know, I've got title some, means two you know, things. It's perfect. Yeah, you know, uh, there's um, <laughs> there's other kind of classes, you know, like uh, <laughs> screenwriting classes, and there's ba- basket weaving classes. Well, this was on the bulletin board. When no, I, I, I understand. Hey, I understand, man. Close to the apartment. You know, I, I made a, a mistake when I started this class, and I said it was for three people. Uh-huh. But I just, I want to say, um, it's it was it was only for two people. So I, my my fault. Um, 
If you see Cheryl out there, she'll give you a refund. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Or, or a credit for uh, possibly another for the class. Screenwriting a, class. Ba- a basket. Yeah. I, I too like underdog movies. I think I speak for Bart here okay. as well. I, I think like you have to movies. at this point. <laughs> 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 I like underdog movies like uh, like uh, Jim Belushi and The Principal. Do you guys think that was a good <laughs> no. underdog tale? That was that was one of my no. favorites actually. No. <laughs> but uh, but but in terms of comedy, it's swinging I, a big piece of wood, but it's not baseball. Yeah, the no? other the other the other two movies I throw in there would be It's a Wonderful Life. I mean, how every time, even if I'm watching the last five minutes, I haven't watched the whole version of it. I'm gonna I'm gonna tear up. But that movie is a good movie on every level. Yes. I mean, the the the, the cinematography, the writing, the acting, the story, that just is a complete movie. Yeah. Last, Stop. last week's guest, Rhett Reese, um, said, the screenwriter of Deadpool, so the screenwriter no of big deal. <laughs> said, How did you get No him? big deal, audience. Right. It's Hollywood. You know again. Right, right. Uh, he uh, <laughs> he said Field of Dreams, and that's my movie, oh. where I come in at the last five minutes. I don't care if I missed the previous oh. hour and... 50 minutes, I'm crying. That movie's perfect. Yeah. And in terms of comedy, I think Animal House is mm-hmm. the perfect comedy. Again, it's got those elements of the, the underdog, you know, taking on the class system, you know, the, the university, the institution. Endlessly quotable. Endlessly quotable. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see that one at the New Beverly. I've seen some classic comedies. The New Beverly is Quentin Tarantino's theater on... Uh, oh, and he uses like 70 millimeter, right? Or 35. Uh, 35. Okay. Uh, but, he's, but he actually... That he he took over the theater when they installed a digital projector, and he said, "Not in New Beverly," because he owned the building, and he just decided to full time take over and and program it. So it's all of his programming now, which is great. And I sat next to him twice. What's he like? Did you <laughs> say anything? Uh, no, I didn't. I don't know. I just let him. When watch you're out here in Hollywood and you I see famous a... people, would you just act cool? What what is the what's the protocol? Here's a good lead-in okay. to Bart's Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, we could do that. Um, so Did I ran. You, were you also at Love Story? No, smoking the bear. Smoking the bandit. So I had the pleasure of uh, attending the Magic Castle Sunday. Uh, Elite, Elite Magic company. Castle for for somebody from Chicago. Magic Castle. Magic is. Castle yeah, exactly. is this uh, private club for magicians. Okay. Um, it is not open to the public, but yeah. the public can access it through either guest passes or being on a list or being with a member when you actually go to the uh, to the club. And it's a it's a private country club for magicians. It's 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 cool as it's, can be. It is swank. Yeah, yeah it's very yeah. swanky. Um, and I actually happen to know Teller from Penn and Teller, and uh-huh. he was able to arrange this for us. And so we're in a show. That's great. I That's great. How did you get into it? Because I've gotten into the Magic Castle a couple times through a couple different ways. None of them were Teller yeah. or Penn. <laughs> well, I had some trouble at the door. I go to the door, and they say, are you, a, uh, are you a member? And I say, no. And they say, are you a guest? And I say, well, yes. Are you and, a little nervous going to the door? No, I've been to the castle okay, many, okay, many times. Right. Um, never as a guest of Teller's, um, guest of other members, <laughs> right. right? And David so, Blaine, David yeah. Blaine, Chris Angel, <laughs> right. Doug Henning doesn't carry as much sway as you mm. might think. Yeah, you don't want to say. You don't want to even mention Doug Henning. <laughs> and he says, "Are you a member?" And I said, "No." He said, "Are you a guest?" And I said, "Yes." And he said, "Okay, who are you a guest of?" And I said, "Teller." And uh, he said, "What's your name?" And he looked at the list and he said, "Well, I'm sorry, you're not on the list." <sighs> and I said, "Oh well." Teller. I said, "Well, um, how about this name?" This Teller said, "I should uh, maybe mention this woman's name." And he said, "Well, let me look." look at her list and he comes back sorry you're not on that list either yeah. and I said well I don't know what to tell you I'm, I'm a guest of Teller's and he just looks at me with nothing to say and I said you know Penn and Teller <laughs> because 
at that point you think maybe the word doesn't sound yeah. right to him. It's because Teller has a, that's his legal name, right? That's his name. He has no other name. Oh, on his driver's license, on his passport, it will say Teller. Mm. So I said Penn and Teller. He goes and he says, "Yes, I know who that is." Uh, and I said, "I'm sorry, but um, I, you know, I don't know what to tell you." Like Penn and Teller, I don't know what to tell you at the Magic Castle. <laughs> I have amazing. an 8 o'clock dinner <laughs> reservation. And he says, oh, you have dinner. Just go on in. Ah! I'm like, wait a minute. Let's review the conversation. It should have been, are you a ge- Are you a member? No. Are you a guest? Yes. Do you have dinner? Reservations? Yes. Go on in. <laughs> so we get in. We, we do the- Now, what are you feeling at this point? Um, Pissed I'm, off? I'm a little embarrassed because I'm, I'm yeah, taking I my sister. Shame. My sister and her fiance are there, and this is their, my wedding gift to them, right? And so I'm taking them, and I'm supposed to be all sorts of hot shotty because I know Teller. Right. And I get I get shut down at the door immediately. Oh, right? That is bad. Uh, You're is. showing off. Yeah, exactly. Ah. But uh, he comes through and he sets us up, and we have a great evening. And and and, and when you're a guest of the of the castle and not with a member, you have to have dinner. And after dinner, you're given a ticket and you're guaranteed a seat in the Palace of Mystery, which is their big showroom, which really isn't very big, but it's the only place they can saw people in half and do illusions and whatnot. And as usual, as I said, I've been there many times, and as usual, there are one or two rows of seats reserved during the palace show, and it's usually friends of the magician or somebody. But in walks Quentin Tarantino with his entourage. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to describe his entourage to you. And I exaggerate not in the number of the people that were involved with Quentin Tarantino. First of all, there was bald, heavy muscle man. <clears throat> like his job was to be big and foreboding. His girlfriend. Like he should be wearing a leather sort of yes. singlet or something. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, uh, a leopard print <laughs> sash if he, and a dumbbell, right? So that guy's there. Uh, the woman that was with Quentin, um, her name was Courtney, granola girl. Cornflake girl, girlfriend, uh, lipstick lesbian, regular lesbian, mm-hmm. smarmy agent guy that was hanging all over Quentin, mm-hmm. a good-looking couple, like magazine, handsome <laughs> couple, and then funny, jokey guy, and then... and then I, Bobby Moynihan from yeah. uh, Sisters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then this uh, androgynous-looking uh, little Asian person that was honestly like four feet tall and wearing like a suit, but might might have been a, a woman, right? So that happens in front of us. And then it's like th- a circus, it right? Was, it, <laughs> that's what I first thought of. Yeah. Paul yeah. says, and, and all I'm waiting for is a guy to walk in carrying a chicken in a golf club, because right? Or <laughs> right. somebody with a handlebar mustache. But here's then what happened, and, and I, 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 I need to uh, precursor this with saying it, the ending isn't great. Because something happens and nobody takes it. Oh, so it's like Convoy, which I watched right next to Quentin Tarantino. Go ahead. (laughs) Exactly like Convoy. Because there's a situation that occurs that nobody took advantage of, and I was not in a position to make this happen. So I could have. I would have if I could have. So here's what happens. So we leave the palace, and we go into a smaller room right next door for the very next show. It's in the parlor of prestidigitation. And that's a... uh, a, What does that word mean? Uh, magic. Mm. <laughs> and the parlor of magic. <laughs> Told you it was a swanky joint. <laughs> <laughs> it's not magic here. It's prestidigitation. prestidigitation. So there's, it's a 30 or 40 seat theater, very steeped, banked uh, stadium seating. And we get in there, and Quentin's already there. So he had somehow been ushered in, and his whole. I believe there's trapdoors everywhere. Yeah. By the way, for anybody who's never been in the Magic Castle, it's like being in the house from Clue. It is. Like, I, did I already go upstairs? Am I upstairs now? Am I downstairs? Or is this one downstairs? Wait, where does this passage go? How did I end up in this room? Yeah. It is a, it's a, it's an old mansion. It's a house house turned into this clubhouse, yeah. right? So he's there with his cadre of muscle men and, and you know, people. And circus music and cir- underneath, yeah, right? And you, there's a <laughs> right. organ grinder right. in the background. <laughs> and out, so the magician comes out. His guy's, this guy's name is Jeffrey Black. 
and he opens the show uh, with the lights are dim, lights are down, and he comes out. How long do you think he worked on that stage name? <laughs> Jeffrey Black, Jeffrey Dark, <laughs> right? Mm, Jeffrey Umber. Go ahead. Comes out carrying a briefcase. <laughs> I'm gonna try it with an E. <laughs> puts the briefcase down. <laughs> opens the briefcase. Uh-huh. And it's glowing orange All right. uh, on his face. And we're not allowed to see into the briefcase. And not 20 feet from him is sitting Quentin Tarantino. And I look at Quentin. Who's ripped off the bit. Doesn't know Quentin's there? Or, or It's his bit. It, it, this is he is, doing it because he knows Quentin's no, there? No, this okay. is how he opens his show. This is a, a, a an act that he has clearly put together, independent of knowing Quentin or even that Quentin was there. Yeah. And I look at Quentin, and I'm sitting two rows behind him, and he's, he's like looking around like, really? This is happening? <sighs> so he opens the briefcase. Or not, it could have been any color light in that briefcase mm-hmm. for this bit. It could mm-hmm. have been green, blue, you know, colors. It was the exact <laughs> orange, gold, glowing briefcase from Pulp Fiction. <laughs> and he says nothing about it. Doesn't acknowledge Quentin. Doesn't acknowledge. This. Does he not know Quentin's there, though? I don't know. Yeah, or right? maybe if I was the magician, I would be so nervous that he was there that I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna. Have to, I, should I acknowledge him? Maybe I. Yeah. Should, I'm not going to acknowledge him. So he takes out a prop and he closes the briefcase and says nothing. Just puts the briefcase next to and does this the next little bit. He doesn't do it to music with a flourish of the hands no. and a little smoke. Or... And I'm I'm pulling on my sister's sleeve. I'm like, oh my god, how, how do you miss this opportunity? Maybe you don't see him there. He doesn't so, ask the audience if we good. Yeah, he doesn't <laughs> say, oh, Quentin, this is what's in there or anything. Are we happy? And we happy. to Quentin's credit, um, yeah, we happy. He didn't say anything. I would have I would have said something. If it was my movie, right? And then about five minutes later, he calls uh, calls for a volunteer to come up and help him. And this guy was sitting right next to Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, this is going to happen now. Because they had then have the volunteer go into the briefcase. And he says, Tim, I want you to look into the briefcase and tell me what you see. And he opens, nothing, nothing, no acknowledgement of anything. The problem is there's no line associated with that. You and I know it's Vincent We Happy. Yeah, We Happy. But anything but you could just say. But nobody else knows. That's not on a shirt anywhere. But wouldn't you say... <laughs> I didn't know sandwiches glow or something or just yeah. make any joke, right? <laughs> and he closes it and off he goes. And so I said, like I said, the story doesn't end great. I mean, that's the end of the story. But I couldn't believe that this happened. This act happened in front of Quentin Tarantino. It's like having a picnic, right? And having a, a game of um, uh, Home Run Derby and then inviting Barry Bonds and just not mentioning it at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, want to play Barry? If you don't, you good at th- not even saying anything, right? You know, I, now it makes sense. But to I know, me why, I know why, I know why it happened. Why celebrities travel in entourages when they go to magic shows? Because <laughs> is if, that a thing? Yes, it is a thing. Right. Uh, out here, it is. Yes. Um, when so I wrote the book, yeah. traveling to magic shows with your entourage, <laughs> yeah, with, your, with entourage. your entourage, you have so many people. If they so, if they're looking for a volunteer, and if you're like a celebrity, you don't want to go up on stage, right? You want to keep a low profile. So you've got so many people. You're like, okay, you go, or you know, th- th- you're going to be yeah. screened from the from going up on stage. But here's what what I then have decided happened. And this it is, sounds like a huge fear of yours. <laughs> yes, being called out of a crowd, volunteered. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I really, I am. Yeah. yeah. My thinking is um, both the magician and the man who's called up to be a volunteer, were in their mid to late 20s. There's a good chance they've never seen this movie. Mm. That movie's 20 years old. I'm thinking, how did they get in there? 
But it's a classic. The magicians? No, the twenty, the t- the two people that they called up. Isn't this like some exclusive magic club? Yeah. Well, the, the magician is the probably twenty five, twenty six himself. Maybe uh. maybe thirty. The the everyone has to be twenty one to get in. Um, but you either know somebody or if with you're going to be an exclusive magic club. Let's be more exclusive I, than that. You know what? I think <laughs> that's what I this want like an old guy with a beard. You know, with that the top hat and Kreskin, know? and that's yes, it. That's yeah. the only yeah. one. Yes, Paul. <laughs> that's an exclusive list. Yes. Yeah, amazing, Randy. <laughs> Right, well, just him in just a whole place. <laughs> we don't have Karen's uh, birthdays to take oh. us out because oh, Karen's well, not here. But when she comes some. back next week, uh, well, I'll, I will play this for you if you'd like. It's Ed Screen's birthday, otherwise known as Ajax from Deadpool. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, he was the transporter refueled. Uh, but oh. did you also know he's a rapper? What is this from? Some song he put up. I guess in Britain it's one of his things. This is Transporter Refueled. Raps? Yeah. Came from Game of Thrones. That music is hideous. Is that dubstep? Karen would have funnier things to say, of course, if she were here about him. But uh, No, I think that's house light uh, music. Rock? House, house light rock. I think house. Could, trans light house Trans rock? house. Trans house. I think that's how you clear a dance trans house floor. Well, the trans it's house is down the corner. I've seen those guys. <laughs> the trans but I guess it's, but if you were it's to listen party. to it, it's a positive song about uh, working out or something. Oh, exercise. Like about running. It's there should like be more run. songs about running. <laughs> yeah. uh, but overall, that wraps another movie showcast, everybody. Oh. Together we're the movie guys. Individually we are. Still Bart. Adam and Preston. Still here. You can follow us on Twitter at The Movie Guys for daily jokes and links. Also, Facebook.com slash The Movie Guys, as well as iTunes, Vimeo, Instagram, LinkedIn, and of course, TheMovieGuys.net. Like and share posts, leave comments and reviews where you can, especially at iTunes. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks to Jimmy Corrane. Hey! Oh, my God. Thanks Meanwhile, for in Jimmy Corrane's brain. Where are we finding you on social media? Uh, you're finding me on uh, the Improv Nerd Facebook page. Like, please like me because it helps with my low <laughs> self esteem. Follow at <laughs> Improv underscore Nerd. And uh, the uh, the YouTube channel, which is uh, all one word, Improv Nerd Podcast. And go to my website, jimmycorain.com, for the books and the classes and the workshops. And the everything. It's all and everything well laid out, too. For those of our crueler audience members that just aren't going to come out because of that, uh, what's something they could say to hurt you? What's your real Achilles heel? Just for our <laughs> meaner of our audience members to just go and, and hit home. Are they going to do that? <laughs> something probably about my physical appearance because I have body image uh, issues. Well, that assumes they watch the YouTube's page. Okay. You don't need to make that All assumption. Right, uh, <laughs> yeah. they find, you know, Our 90-minute shows are going to hits on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> so if they could pick something hypocritical out about what I said, ah. that would that would that would really set me off. Very good. Yeah. Very good. That's well, a challenge for all your listeners out there. My favorite thing, which I see happen on uh, Rotten Tomatoes and stuff all the time, is making is missing the point of something that's comedic to take it seriously. I think that's probably a good way. Right. That's or good the, the worst thing is you're not funny. That's the that would be the most hurtful thing you could say. I okay. expect a I, I lot of letters <laughs> about how you treated me. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure we will get some. And I will feel <laughs> well, bad. Well, now you get to give him notes I from feel, me. I, I feel bad about Even though that was a bit, I still feel a little bad about <laughs> it. It was funny. We're all friends here, except for you, who's never met. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Thanks also to uh, Steve Schultz. You know Steve Schultz from Chicago? Uh, he sends in jokes. He yeah, yes. He, uh, every week, he's, his material's on display here in the show. And, of course, we owe everything to Pat Peach. Next week, finally, new releases uh, that span the wide traverse of what Still? a movie can be. <laughs> Hardcore Henry and The Boss, two wildly different movies. But we'll talk about them both here, Woo. and uh, we will see you then. Well. All right, notes. Okay. Bart? Um, 
No, you, no, it's Bart's turn to give you notes. Okay. <laughs> First of all, you're still here. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a great rehearsal. Mm-hmm. So next time, what I want you to do is bring the energy up a little bit, mm-hmm. but don't 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 overdo it. I think you have a tendency to go too far. Mm-hmm. So just dial it back right before the edge. And okay, you'll be fine. great, good. Um, let's take a look at the story you talked about uh, really quickly with the ten, Tarantino, Tarantino, Quentin, Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino. He makes and movies. Let's break that down. Okay. 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 Attention. Give it another shot. Ready? The movie More energy this time. Yeah, okay, we're doing it again. Any comments okay, about great. how little audiences cared what critics thought of Batman versus...